0: terms and conditions apply
1: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that 3 hour philosophy show
2: down now.
3: Uh. Thursday morning, May 19th, 2022, the Beating the Book podcast. Skill Alexander. And as we have tried to do now uh, outside of football season, even during football season when it applies, talk about every tennis slam. That's what we're doing. Uh, And we bring back the crew. We tried to bring back the crew for this one, but part of the crew, Dan Weston, Dan uh, texted me on WhatsApp from a cruise ship. And when I say a cruise ship, I mean, the finest cruise ship on planet Earth. He was uh, docked outside of Mallorca at the time. And he's like, I can't make it this one. I'll be back for Wimbledon. But we have Drew Dinsick here from the Deep Dive podcast and, of course, the Bet the Edge podcast from NBC Sports, the former with, with uh, Andy Molitor uh, that he does, the latter with Sarah Perlman. It's Drew Dinsick at whale underscore capper. How you doing, man? Thank you
2: for being I'm here. doing well. Gil, thank you for having me, as always. Uh, we get to put an exclamation point on what has been an absolutely awesome clay season so far in Europe with the French open coming up here. And uh yeah, no, no, uh no better way to kick it off than uh, doing a, a nice little, both women's men's and women's draw preview uh, with the, with the listeners of the Megapod.
3: Yeah. And we And we hope that the draw actually appears before our eyes here momentarily because I, I sort of jumped the gun on our recording time, but apparently whenever the, uh, as you said, whenever uh, Les Francais get to it.
2: Uh, we'll, <laughs> whenever they get to it. Yeah. yeah
3: we'll we'll yeah. have ourselves a draw. But we can talk about this broadly. You and I have done it on the radio side earlier this week. But let's just talk about it broadly. And I'll, I'll just start by saying this is, you know, unlike with the previous tournaments that we've done this year, uh, specifically the Australian Open, this was one where futures that I've made, and I'm sure you too, I, I've, I've made them long before now. So I I just want to apologize right in advance. If this is the show you're landing on to talk French Open, we already have numbers on Iga that are way better than exists now on the women's side. We already have numbers on Carlos Alcaraz that are way better than exists now on the men's side. But Drew, I'll just start with that question. Let's just start with the women's side. Iga Sviatek, who has won one major, uh, the 2020 French Open, famously around these parts. She is getting into Steffi Graf, Monica Seles territory. She is either plus 100 or, or a tick into minus money now to win this tournament, to win her second major. She's won 28 matches in a row. This is yeah. her surface. She's won, I, th- I want to say it's 47 out of 48 sets. Don't hold me to that exactly, but it's somewhere in the 40s. She only dropped one set along the way. Uh, I believe it was to Ludmila Samsonova, I believe, was who got her on one set. Uh, he, he, can you recommend anybody else in an outright we'll get into quarters and we'll get into matches, but is there anybody else in an outright you could like legitimately recommend to somebody?
2: Uh, I mean, we'll find some quarter prices for sure, but not to win the tournament. No, Um, I given her current form and her, you know, my, my ratings on Ega, I would make her no worse than minus 400 in any match. In any you know, step of the way. And realistically, um, in the first handful of matches when she's going up against qualifiers and some of the lower ranked players, uh, you know, she's going to be in the minus two thousands range uh, for, you know, match by match. And um, it's not often you see that in best of three tennis because things are a little more random. It's not often you see that in women's tennis because right. things are a little bit flatter right. in, in general. Um, but she is performing at a level that is all all universe. And, uh, you know, the comp of Steffi Groff, I think, is completely fair, especially because two years ago in 2020, Iga completed a dominant performance at Roland Garros in the fall that you had to go back to 1988 and Steffi Groff to find any comp for. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like this is un. This is not like this is unbelievable. Like the Radakanu run last year at the US Open was out of nowhere and you know if and it, it now feels even more um like was that a fluke? The Iga run was not and is now being, you know, clearly backed up with a, a number of titles here and I guess if you want to take a step back a little bit about sort of the strategy of playing futures for the um you know for the slams, you can get away with waiting till the draw for the Australian Open, even for the U.S. Open, because player form is huge question marks for both of those tournaments for different reasons. Um, Huge question mark on the, uh, uh, you know, for the player form, at the U S open because players are tired at the end of a long season, huge question about player form for the Australian open, because everybody's had a whole off season and some players used it to rest and recuperate others, you know, sharpening their game. So, um, those two tournaments are fine to wait on, uh, in, and Wimbledon, you know, the grass season is so compact that you don't really need to be way out ahead of the market on those numbers, just because you know, that it's, it's just a, it's a blip on the calendar. The, Clay season is the opposite. Like you need to be very carefully following pricing throughout the Indian Wells really starts to set the market for this. Um, because of the conditions are similar, because it's sort of the um, you know the beginning of what is a concentrated stretch of everybody playing every week with high stakes, and so um, you know we're watching Indian Wells pretty carefully, and you're picking up I you know signs at that time that Ega's form was looking very very good. She came off of a decent you know decent Oceanic swing, uh, decent time in the Middle East, but then in Indian Wells she was absolutely ripping. Um, and it was like, okay, if she's playing this well here and builds on this through the, the spring and, and early summer into, um, into Roland Garros, she's going to be tough to beat. And of course, at that time, who was the market favorite? It was not Iga, It was Ash Barty. That's right. She was at the top of the market for most of the month of March. And, um, you know, lo and behold, you're sitting at your computer one day and the news comes across the ticker. Uh, Ash Barty has suddenly retired from the sport of tennis. And I I think everyone who follows the sport closely, who was watching and betting the Indian Wells, did the same thing, run to the book, you know, and and click as many times as you could. You get to win the French Open because uh, that was a two-woman race that became a one-woman race.
3: That and that, I'm sorry, go ahead, finish, yeah.
2: Yeah, and honestly, like, At the time, I think best prices were four to one, five to one-ish, and uh, I got down what I could get down at that time, and I I think if that hadn't happened, I may even be in a better position right now because I kind of – I didn't keep adding to my, my spot, right? The price moved, it gets shorter, and I'm looking at two to ones, and I'm like, eh. I got four to one in pocket. Why would I bet <laughs> two to exactly one, right? I <laughs> so yeah. I, like, I, I didn't continue to add to that position. And ultimately now I'm angry because it's, he, she's even odds to win this tournament. And I'm looking at my portfolio like, God, I should have more. Like, why don't I have more? Like yeah. she did everything that was asked of her at Indian Wells. She was dominant. She backed it up with the title at Miami. I know you had futures on her at both of those stages, so you're already, you know, flush at that point. Um, and then right into clay season, she has lost absolutely no step at all. She was so dynamic uh, after, I think maybe her best tournament might have been, uh, I I don't even know, was her best tournament Hamburg or Rome? It's tough to, say. Tough to um, say, but they were both dominant. And after Hamburg, you know, on the heels of this huge streak, I'm starting to think, well, okay, at this point, I, I kind of hope she... Um, you know, gets a little bit of a break here. It wouldn't be the worst thing if she loses at Madrid and gets like a little bit of a week to recuperate rest and recuperate here. Cause Madrid is a grind. <laughs> she you know, Madrid you is, bad, yeah. is a tough and uh, she decides, okay, I'll, I'll take it off for injury. And I think that was actually one of the best things she could have done from a strategy standpoint. Cause she came back at Rome and was absolutely dynamic. Um, her game is as advertised in terms of perfect for the surface of clay. And um you know i mean you know this is this is something we haven't seen since the 80s um she's more dominant on this surface than serena ever was on clay um and so it's uh you know you have to draw compare you know parallels to the men's tour or the you know Steffi graf in the 80s in terms of what we're seeing right now and it's it's cool to be a part of and you know a hat tip to you for being way way ahead of this uh you know rise from ega because um you. you know i probably I would have doubted it honestly if you didn't have conviction back in the day i yeah. would have been like i don't know is this sustainable we'll see um but uh you can't deny it at this point she really is uh best women's tennis player in the world and uh, you know there are some times when like there are some years when rafa was the clear best and it was not competitive right and that was more about his greatness and there is a lot of that with iga but in my opinion at least the women's Field is weaker this year than it has been in years past. Would you agree and, with that? And
3: I would agree with that. And and two two months ago, three months ago, I would not have agreed with that. It just yeah, kind of same, worked out same, that same, way. Same. Yeah, Barty retiring, Halop, who had great clay numbers, right? Great six month, great twelve month clay numbers, just hasn't looked good uh, of late. And then a couple of the players who you think may get would give you know might give Iga trouble. I don't know if some people thought Sabalenka would. She just dispatched her so quickly. I mean, we'll get to the question of if I came to you from the future and I told you, oh, my God, Ega lost to somebody, who would that be? We'll get to that momentarily because I, I do have one or two names in mind just because we're spitballing, but only because we're spitballing, right? Like I'm almost forced yeah, to ask right. you the question just to, to ask something interesting. But as far as is concerned, I mean, honestly, Drew, like it's probably my greatest call in any sport ever, quite frankly. <laughs> um, I mean, let's be honest, this is for those who, you know, Missed the details. This was the 2020 bet I made, famously 33-1 30, to 1, uh, for, the, for the French Open in 2020. Got paid on everyone, but the one at the Westgate, which is still pending. That, that was, you know, and since then, we've had her many times. And, and I've made a couple comments, hy- hyperbolic comments on a numbers game. First, I said she's going to win double-digit majors. That was about a year ago because I figured she'd win about eight French. This should be her second. But then, you know, recently, she's won four WTA 1000s this year. Like, that's just, that hasn't happened since. I want to get this exactly right. Four, four WTA 1000s hasn't happened since Serena did it in 2013, 1000s being yeah. the tournament level just, be, just below the Slams. If she wins all seven of these matches, she will tie Venus Williams' streak of 35 consecutive victories from the year 2000. So, the, the, what I said earlier this year as she was winning these tournaments and on this streak was. I think she's going to be the greatest women's player of all time, which is, a out, which is a, an outlandish comment to make, right? Because you have Martina Navratilova and Steffi Groff and Monica Sells. By the way, just from a betting market, I give a shout-out to sportsoddshistory.com for providing these numbers. But just French Open history. And here at the—I'm at the D. Here at Circus Sports, IGA is even money, plus 100. But as far as, like, who has been a pre-flop favorite at the French Open— in modern history, as a minus number. 2013, Serena, talking about eventual champions, Serena, minus 133. And before that, you have to go all the way back to 1995 and Steffi Groff, minus 125. Steffi Groff, 1993, minus 125. And poor Monica Seles in 1992, minus 163, whose career was forever altered by being stabbed by a fan. And so that's... Them's the, the stratospheres we're dealing with right now. That's the stratosphere we're dealing with. Uh, and that's the story with Iga, who is the odds-on favorite here and should be. And what you said, minus 400. You don't have her at less than minus 400 in any match on clay. It is her service. She's the n- women's world number one. I honestly, like, I wanted, uh, I wanted to weep uh, when she became the world's number one. It was on the Ash Barty retirement. But going back to that night that Ash Barty retired, so I had the same experience you did, Drew. I had plus 450s in my pocket on EGA. I immediately, because I was on primetime action, you texted me literally the minute that that show ended, which is it timed out with the end of that show. I had no idea that it happened. And I was like, what? You texted me, Daniel Alvari texted me, somebody else texted me. Anybody who was into tennis texted like, what is happening? Because it came out of nowhere, the world number one Ash Barty retiring. Although, you know, out of nowhere, Ash Barty had never really embraced playing tennis uh, as other champions have. So maybe not completely out of nowhere, but certainly out of nowhere at that moment. So I had the same experience. I'm like, okay, let me quickly go around, look around town and offshore. Are there numbers better than the ones that I have? Or, or are there still some stray Ega numbers? What I found is that there weren't any, right? My experience was that there was, it was already down to three or lower, plus 300 yeah. or lower. And so I was like, eh you know what, I don't know if I'm going to add to it. Maybe I'll make a decision on this later, which, you know, was was a ridiculous thing to think. What it did do for me, and we'll get to this in a bit, is I decided while I was there checking EGA numbers, I was like, well, oh, let me just see casually what some French Open numbers are on the men's side. And that was the night that I lucked into finding stray numbers on Carlos Alcaraz, who was still at 11-1 to 1 around town and 9-1. to 1. And so, Ash Barty didn't have me adding to Iga. It just accidentally had, it, had me adding to Carlos Alvarez, which was incredible. Not even adding, starting at those numbers with Carlos Alvarez. But let me just ask you the question, though, about the, the women's side here. Pre draw. If I came to you and I said, Drew, it happened. Iga didn't win this, she lost. Give me the player or players that you believe I'm talking about, man from the future.
2: Man. Uh, I'll just go down the seeds here. Um, We don't even know if Krachikova is going to play. We don't. Um, Defending jam. So strike strike, strike her. Um, Bedosa, injured out of form, strike her. Um, fourth seed, Sakari. Um, the last woman to defeat the Egon Clay. Uh, worth noting. Uh, in general, plays her pretty tough. Um, has kind of a ceiling when she's on that's high enough to go toe-to-toe with someone who's as good as Iga. So Sakari... Um, would be kind of the first name that comes to mind. Continent, no. And fifth. Uh Anz Jabor, no. Although, let's circle back on Anz Jabor for, um, you know, for some other market prices before we wrap this pod. Um, Saboenka, no way. Plishkova, no way. Danielle Collins? Nah, meh, maybe. Danielle Collins beat her. Uh, Collins. She got... Uh, Danielle freaking Collins got her uh, somewhere recently, right? Did she pop her at uh, the Australian Open? Is that why Iga didn't win the Australian Open? I remember being surprised that Iga didn't win the, Auss- the Aussie, frankly, just because she was in great – I thought she was in great form at how the come time. I don't, how come I don't um, have instant
3: recall on this?
2: Yeah, I don't remember who b- beat her at the uh, – in uh down under, but I think it might have been it might have been Collins. It was, yeah, well, Danielle Collins got her six four six one Weird no show for me again, yeah. That uh, yeah. that match, so I guess I wouldn't you know, I guess you have to include her to some degree just because she's going to have the confidence and she's she's a tough she's a tough matchup, <laughs> no matter who you are. <laughs> yeah, if the if, if the day is right, um, Mugarutha way out of form, no Pagula way. no chance on clay, uh, Radakanu injured and out of form, uh, Ostapenko has played her pretty tough. I think that's the third name that you have to put in consideration, even though she has been miserable on clay this season. Uh, She did get her earlier in, I want to say Doha. Oh no. Iga won Doha. It was the other one. Dubai. Ostapenko got her in Dubai. Ostapenko got her in Indian Wells in fall last year. Um, So she, I guess, deserves some consideration. Um, And then of all of the matches that Iga's played on clay this year, the only time that I ever felt like she was especially under pressure was up against... um, uh, our Canadian, Bianca Andreescu, uh, showed a little bit of form in that match in Rome. Uh, so and so I think that's the fourth name.
3: That's the person I would have come with, right? I, I would, yeah. Again, let me just preface this again by saying, we are not saying it's going to happen, but I'm no. just for filling content purposes just to ask the question, <laughs> if it did, who might it be? I actually yeah. think Andreescu's as good of a choice as any because... We still don't know what a renewed peak form Bianca could be. She's kind of a wild card out there.
2: Yeah. Almost certainly I'm going to sit down for every EGA match this Roland Garros run and be be cool as a cucumber. Mm -hmm. No sweat. You know, this is going to be fun. Let's see how good she is today. If there's like a semifinal draw against Andre SQ, I'm going to be a little bit nervous that day. Me too. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and Anz a little bit, Anjabur a little bit, I think would be the a second little bit one for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, her game is her game is um, is fun to watch and cheer for, and it's different, which makes her a tough you know player to match up against. But the fact that EGF solved that in Rome, I yeah. think, uh, should be should be somewhat of a positive sign for this tournament. Now, uh, Anz is in an amazing form; uh, she ought to probably be the second choice. In terms of just, you know, if, you, if there's another woman in this field who can beat all of the other women, considering their current form, it's probably her. She probably ought to be the second, you know, second choice in the betting market, even though I don't like her chances against Ega head to head. Um, but uh, I think her form speaks to a potential awesome run on grass. And um, I've gotten some pretty aggressive positions going now for Ons at, at uh, Wimby. Uh, in the uh, 30 range, you know, 30 to 30 to one plus range. So oh, yeah. um, you were, that's you were fun, texting me
3: this at yeah. this uh, weekend about that you <laughs> grabbed on Jabor 30 plus to one at Wimbledon.
2: Yeah, I think, and I think if, I think again, she ought to be the clear second choice at Wimbledon after Ega yeah. in my, by my numbers. And she was priced in like that kind of third tier range, which doesn't make any sense at all because she, you know, her, her, her grass ELO is best on tour right now.
3: I grabbed just to let you know, again, Back to the Steffi Graf, Monica Sellis theme. I have grabbed since you know just deciding that this is the player that we always thought she would be kind of thing. I have I grabbed Iga at nine to one at Wimbledon, and I grabbed Iga at seven to one at the U.S. Open just because I wanted to have them. And nice. you know, is that are those her? You know, she's never won anything on grass before, by the way, people, right? Never has won a tournament on grass before, but at at this point, is there any look, clay is always going to be? She yeah. has shown great prowess on hard courts. Is there any reason to believe she's not an all court player at this point?
2: You know? No, uh, no, 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 no. And I think what you saw from her at Indian Wells and in Miami proves that uh, that she ought to be the the clear clear favorite at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, just for, just from a neutral. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's playing their best tennis. She's winning that U.S. Open comfortably, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, If there's a realistic chance that she just plays so much tennis (laughs) that she is (laughs) a little bit more weary, a little bit more fatigued than the other women, and somebody catches her by surprise, that won't be shocking. It's usually quite hot. Uh, in September and, and uh, you know, conditions are not ideal. If you've kind of been grinding yourself to a, a a fine dust (laughs) throughout the rest of the season, you can get caught by surprise, but uh, outside of that exact scenario, she's uh, she's getting at least two uh, slams this year. In my opinion, French open and us open. Um, Wimbledon uh, yeah. is a mystery to me. It you is know? A mystery. We'll see how she looks on grass. Yeah.
3: And as you said, it's the shortest season of all, so the data is as scarce as it comes as well. But if she figures out a way to win that, then we could be talking yeah. about a, an eager slam possibility yeah. come Australian Open next year. Um, let's go to the men's side for a second here as we wait for the draw. Um, listen, so this is obviously... Rafa Nadal's domain for so many years. He's won thirteen. Like you just say that in its most ridiculous sentence ever. Rafa Nadal <laughs> has won thirteen French Opens. Pete Sampras won fourteen Grand Slams in all. Rafa's won thirteen on clay at Roland Garros, the uh, the red clay of Roland Garros. He's got he's got injuries though, and he's been he had a torrid start to this twenty twenty two season. He's developed injuries. We saw it uh, in Indian Wells against Taylor Fritz. Now it's the foot. And so you always have to give Rafa some, some, you know, lip service here at the very least. He's plus 285 here at uh, Circa Sports. He's the third short shot. But Carlos Alcaraz is now 2-1. to one. Carlos Alcaraz, in his last tournament, of course, in Madrid, not only beating Rafa Nadal, but turning right around and squeaking by Novak Djokovic, then dispatching Sasha Zverev in the finals. He took this past tournament off to prepare for Roland Garros. He's two to one. He is a tick, a tick of an underdog to Novak Djokovic, who is the short shot, at least here, plus 185. But essentially, it's those two guys at the top, Djokovic and Alcaraz, Nadal just out of respect, and the only other player in single digits with apologies to him, because I don't think he has a shot to win it, though he's been playing great, is Stefano Tsitsipas. Everybody else is double digits, and I mean like... Sasha Zverev's the only one that's south of 30 to 1 in some spots. You know, he's wow. 17 to 1. But, I mean, realistically, is this Djokovic or Alcaraz to you?
2: Yeah, it is. Um, in terms of title, yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the Yeah, and again, kind of going back to sort of how do you bet the futures in, in on clay? Like, if you're making bets now, like, best luck to you. (laughs) Like these numbers (laughs) are pretty, these numbers are pretty, pretty, pretty fair. Um, And, you know, and realistically, like you could have still gotten some decent stuff on Djokovic as, as recently as one week ago. Um, So it's, uh, it's not impossible to get good prices on these guys over the balance of the clay season. But what we've seen uh, throughout this clay season was basically a, a revival of Djokovic to a level of slam champion quality. And it was a weird, it's been a weird 2022 (laughs) for, for, for Novak to put it politely. Um, And, and uh, I don't think even as recently as month ago, I would have given him much consideration here just because he would looked to be, you know, more or less, I'm going to try to get in shape and be ready for a Wimbledon title run. Like, that, that was the feel you got as you saw him out there on clay just looking like an absolute shell of himself, right? He gets to Belgrade, and he played his way basically into shape, I thought, in Belgrade, ultimately losing to Andre Rublev in that final. Um, but going through and kind of having some matches where he had to dig really, really deep uh, to get wins against players should—you know he should have been like minus 1,000-ish favorites against. He had to dig deep. Laszlo Jiri, um, you know, Kickmanovic, you know, guys that he has, he is just miles better than he really had to dig uh, to beat them. Yeah. I remember
3: um, the the, the, the yeah. Jerry match was the one where I was like, oh boy. Yeah.
2: Just crazy. Yeah. yeah just absolutely crazy. And uh, we were, you know, my friends and I, tennis friends and I were joking like, oh, I mean, this is Jiri's hometown, so you know, he's a tough out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, it's, it's Jokovic's hometown too. So, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, what it is. Um, but yeah, those, that those, he had three, three, three consecutive three-set wins in Belgrade, followed by a three-set loss to Rublev, where he just kind of ran out of gas finally in the final. But that, those were the matches. Those were the, that was the hours on court he needed to kind of get himself into shape. He comes to Madrid, and I thought his Madrid performances were way above expectation. Certainly the defeats that, you know, he, he picks on Monfi like he owns them, which is, you know, sad for Monfi backers, but um, you know, it it is what it, one of the more lopsided head to heads in all of tennis history. Um, He was excellent against her in the quarterfinals. And then the semifinals, in my opinion, was the best match we've seen on clay this season. And I think it was by a lot actually. Yeah. Um, Alcaraz versus Djokovic. Alcaraz was dealing with foot injury from his previous, previously had just defeated Nadal. Um, the I thought the conditions favored Djokovic slightly. Uh, we saw the market open up with Alcaraz as a meaningful favorite. He was in like the minus one thirty range, and it got bet to Djokovic minus one thirty. So there was a healthy appetite in the betting market to support Djokovic. Alcaraz notably won, and it was a very very thrilling win. Three setter, uh, two tie breaks. He lost the first tie break. He wins the third tie break. Um, Djokovic in that saved eight of 10 breakpoint opportunities. So he basically had that gear he needed every time he was asked to, you know, kind of dig deep and save something. He did. Um, And he, you know, and and for what it's worth, Alcaraz was playing the best tennis on tour at that time. And, you know, currently his ELO would say he's the best player on tour right now, just based on how he's playing. Um, But that was kind of the, okay, Djokovic's back moment. Like light bulb goes off. Like, okay, if he is coming off of that poor of a run of form, and got and play you know, got was able to raise his level to this level, uh, and go toe-to-toe with Alcreas, who who's on fire, then he's gonna be a tough out at Roland Garros. Sure enough, he shows up at Rome and just I thought I thought it was masterful. He was outstanding, doesn't drop a set, wins the title, plays in on, on the way, plays a couple of very, very lively uh clay challengers, including Felix auger Aliassime, and Casper Rude and Sissipas in the quarterfinal, semifinal final. And Basically, what you know, he did sort of the classic Djokovic thing where as soon as he needed to flip the switch to get the win, he did it in all three of those matches. It's incredible, it's crazy. It's crazy to see it, and you know it when you see it. Like, it's it's um, it's it's characteristic Djokovic. And so now he comes into this tournament as the one seed, as the defending champion. Nadal, we'll get to in a second, but is, you know, as a shell of what he was in years past coming into Roland Garros physically. Um, and he really only has to deal with uh, Alcaraz potentially as a head-to-head. And if I'm going to hold up, you know, and I'll get your take on Alcaraz because I know you've backed him. I have now a stronger position on Djokovic than Alcaraz. Um, but the fundamentals are Alcaraz has only ever played something like 10 best of five matches in his life that's not enough experience in my opinion to get him to where he should be a favorite over Virginia I think it also makes him more vulnerable to a surprise um you know surprise somebody sup- somebody catches him by surprise right he just the best of five tennis is different than best of three the the Masters one thousands where you're playing every day is different than a Slam where you're getting a day off in between. The Masters one thousands like the you know the you know the run you know really not not even just the Masters but Barcelona is a good example. Uh, Miami is a good example where Alcaraz was the title winner. Um, when you're playing every day and it's best of three, you know the younger guys in my opinion have an advantage there, and it takes. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of experience and a little bit of, you know, you know, learning how to use your endurance and, you know, giving away a set if you have to, uh, to preserve, you know, like st- there's more strategy. There's more, uh, it's just, a, it's almost like a different approach. And we haven't really seen Alcrez figure that out yet. And could he figure it out on the fly as a 19 year old in this tournament and win? Of course. He's, he, we just said he's playing the best tennis of anyone on tour right now. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to see. Um, But I personally think you're probably looking at a Djokovic Alcaraz final. Um, We're looking at the draw right now, and I saw uh, a couple of names land. It looks like Sissipas is in the third quarter. Uh, It looks like Nadal is in quarter number one, is he? Yes. Djokovic Nadal is going to be your quarterfinal in quarter number one. Zverev Alcaraz in quarter two. Wait a oh minute. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Jok- oh, my God.
3: Djokovic and Nadal ended up in
2: the same quarter? Oh, my God. So the top half is completely lopsided now. ay ay ay.
3: Wait a minute. What a Wait lousy a draw. So I see. What I see, a
2: lousy draw.
3: Djokovic gets Nishioka in the first round, could face Mokan in the second. Oh,
2: my goodness.
3: Wait a minute. Hold on. Djok- so this is happening live as we're doing this podcast. Yeah. As we're going to run into it. So Djokovic and Nadal forget the same half of the draw.
2: They They're ended in the up in the same quarter.
3: quarter of the draw.
2: Yep. And, then, and Alcaraz and Djokovic are in the same half.
3: And Alcaraz and Djokovic and Nadal are all in the same half. Alcaraz and Zverev yep. in the same quarter? Yep. So,
0: so, the big, so the big winner here is Stefano Tsitsipas.
2: Yeah. Wow. Only guy, only guy in the bottom half of the draw with a with pulse. That's amazing. Yep. Now, now <laughs> if, you, if you're the organizers,
3: oh. oh my God, Drew, this has kind of sent me back for a loop here. Oh yeah, for if, sure. If you're the organizers of Roland Garros,
2: yeah, you you rigged the draw incorrectly.
3: <laughs> you, you, <laughs> what happened? You rigged the draw incorrectly. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to say. I was trying to figure out how am I going to say this sentence. That's exactly yeah, what you, I want to say. You blew it.
2: You what, blew it, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. I mean, you're going to, I mean, week two of Roland Garros men's side, is going to be unbelievable if you get that. Same, so basically the tables were turned where um, Alcaraz had to defeat uh, Nadal, Djokovic, and Zverev in a row to win Madrid. Yeah. Now now, Djokovic is going to have to beat Nadal, uh, Alcaraz, and Sissipas in a row to win Roland Garros. That's a tough, that's a tough three leg stretch
3: and, and the doll would Jeff have to be Djokovic Alcaraz and Sitzabas. Yeah, so for both yeah, of them and it's... yeah. The... Yeah.
2: And honestly the uh this opens the door this opens the door big time for Sispas. Yes it because, does. Because because the, the the scenario where he had to get consideration was a scenario where Djokovic takes a little damage against Nadal. Djokovic and Alcaraz in the semifinals is a five set five hour bloodbath. And then whoever emerges from that bloodbath is just absolutely gassed and spent in the final. And Sissipas can, can pick apart the, that game in the final.
3: Well, let me, let me ask the money question here. and I'm, I'm sort of answering it myself right now, Drew. Tsitsipas I mean, uh, in the futures markets, if you can find him right now. I'm yeah, looking. I think you got to get him. I think you yeah. got to take a little bit of him, don't you?
2: Oh yeah, if you can, and if you can find him to make the final, I think that's a very fair bet. Because even like some of the even some of the other guys who have a pulse uh, on tour right now are all landing in the top half. Felix Auger-Aliassime landed in the top half. Um, Schwartzman's in the top half. Uh, we already mentioned Zverev's in the top half. Um, Taylor Fritz looks like he just landed in the top half. Uh Sissipas's quarter has Shapovalov, Harkat tiafo rude as the ranked players demon hour as a ranked player um he's going to be a minus 300 minus 400 favorite against all of those guys wait 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 uh, say
3: this is Titsapas' quarter
2: that was in his quarter yeah wait, Rude's really who? the only the rude? only clay player in his quarter is rude
3: rude um, and who were the other people
2: uh demon hour tiafo um yeah it's uh it's a pretty weak quarter. And
3: Shapovalov, you said also.
2: Shapovalov, yeah. Shapovalov is in, in yeah. his section.
3: Root Ru- Root is the clay court specialist of the bunch, you're right. But but that's not a it's not a spectacularly easy draw either, I should say.
2: Yeah, I mean everybody on tour is good, but yeah. Sisopas in best of five should be able to beat yes. all those guys. Yes he should. Yeah. Be. I mean he, he'll at least be a minor he'll be a heavy favorite against any of the those guys head to head.
3: What'd you make him against um, Root? Really that heavy of a favorite against Root? I'm not so sure. Uh, that'll be the tricky
2: one. I don't actually have I don't have a match to kind of lean on in terms of past history for pricing on that one. But I would, Sisypas is at, maybe minus two fifty, maybe they open at minus one eighty. Gets bet two fifty. Um, I mean Rude is a fine player, but he's kind of he's kind of the Mendoza line at this point of you're you're a top 10 or you're not on clay, you know, like if you are, you're going to beat him. If you're not, you're going to lose to him. Yeah. His
3: clay numbers are elite, right? Like if you look at his raw data there, it's tremendous, but it just doesn't manifest in reality that way. Uh,
2: Yeah. His, his most impressive win on clay. It's been a while, right? Since he had like one where you were like, wow, I cannot believe he beat that guy. Yeah. Um, It's been a while. He's, he's mostly just picking on the guys who are a clear tier below him, from what I can tell you.
3: Uh, Richard Gasquet getting it done for me in uh, Geneva right now, Drew.
2: He's having a nice little uh, yeah. renaissance. Good by him.
3: Yeah. Um, that is, so that's, that's the big news of this podcast right there as we're doing it, that the fact that Stefanos Tsitsipas managed to get half a draw without any of the three guys in front of him and without the guy behind yeah. him. In Sasha's yeah. Vareb. That's unbelievable.
2: Yeah. So basically, to get to the final, Sisypas's path out of his quarter is Shapovalov, Rude, and then Rublev in the semis. Yeah. What's that, that is, quarter we haven't that, mentioned? The Rublev's quarter? Like, who would you Rublev call? Rublev and. It's the Medvedev quarter. The Medvedev. So it's, now quarter. The, so it's the Rublev quarter now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, that path of. Uh, uh, you know of Shapovalov, Rude, um, Rublev to get to the final. He that is very, very, very winnable for him. Uh, and if he can get through that without expending much juice, then and the other side is just a bloodbath, then he actually has a pulse to win this title.
3: I am legitimately, when we're done with this podcast, turning around to this desk <laughs> behind me because if I have my,
2: some insurance, yeah, because yeah, mm-hmm. if I have
3: my Alcaraz tickets on one side. I am legitimately now I would play for an Alcaraz Titsipas final and just sit back and enjoy.
2: Yeah. I, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, that's not crazy. No. Um,
3: what would you make? Yeah. What would you make Titsipas? We don't, we don't see quarter prices yet, but what would you make him in that quarter?
2: Oh, uh, minus ish. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a pretty favorable price. You're going to get plus money on to get him to the final, which will be nice. Um, that, that's a that because again, if Alcaraz is who we think he is and he does defeat Djokovic in that semifinal, um, even if it is a physical bloodbath, he gets a day to re- rest and recuperate. And he is a much better player than Sisypas, much better. And yes, he should win that match, even with even being a little gassed in the head to heads we've seen between Sissipas and Alcaraz this season, they've been lopsided, big time lopsided. Yeah, um. We saw, yeah. It, it, there's really it's it's not a uh, it's not a great uh, Titsipas, uh, matchup for him. Tsitsipas
3: always kills me. I don't know if you ever get this impression. This has nothing to do with tennis data or anything. But do you ever watch a Tsitsipas match and you just walk, watch him in between points and how unathletic his gait is? Have you ever noticed that about one of his, <laughs> like his? What even when he walks, he just feels like he's not athletic. Obviously, he's one of the elite players in the world, but. uh yeah, I don't fear him. If it was an Alcaraz Sitsipas match, I don't fear that. You
2: no, know? no. I Sissipas is uh, the two characteristics that I in between points I always notice he's always staring at his dad looking for tips. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's one thing. 100%. And uh and he he's got a very Mimbo quality to him, uh, in the interviews and, and what he says. It's uh, he's yeah, he's not he's not uh Uh, He doesn't present himself as one of the sharper tools in the ship.
3: I I really think I'm going to bet some Tsitsipas insurance right after this. Um, So let me ask the same question now that we see the draw. Let me me just ask the same random question that I asked on the women's side. If I came to you and I said, this is just a ridiculous question, but if I came to you and I said, hey, man, Djokovic, Nadal, Alcaraz, Tsitsipas – I guess I'll throw in Zverev to make this an interesting question. None of them won it.
0: Who won this?
2: I mean if that's the setup uh <laughs> I something absolutely insane happened something absolutely insane happened uh you're so you're setting up basically like i get wiped out by this tournament no, no, <laughs> dude you and me too if, we all do okay so if, yeah. if that happens it, it's it's scam nori Uh, wins his first ever slam and i'm just (laughs) uh, i'm i'm I'm, I'm sobbing into my uh into my 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 ripped up tickets yeah yeah i mean i mean realistic yeah realistically rublev has the quality that he should be at least in consideration for a slam uh and again he has a very very easy draw um or dominic team found
3: somehow found his old form Ah, boy, Even that would be that would cool be story. Right? That would be
2: cool from a story wise. Yeah. But uh, do you know how many uh, matches he's lost in a row at oh, this trust me, I do. Yeah. Ay, 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 I think ay, he's on to ay. twelve. Twelve straight losses. You know how hard that is. You know what I like <laughs> To best... have enough of have enough of a <laughs> ranking point, but still get into every. Uh, you know, every tournament and losing round one, it's hard.
3: It's hard. It's an accomplishment. I love how, Drew, when we do international
2: tournaments, how we start to have European
3: characteristics. Ay, 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 ay. Ay,
2: ay, ay. Ay, Dios míos.
3: Oh, mon deux, I believe, correctly for this one. Yeah, there you go. Um, there you go. Okay, so, and I don't know how many first round matches you're seeing here. I, I haven't crunched the numbers, obviously. The, uh, the The draws are coming out right now, but so I don't have any first round plays quite yet. I don't know if anything catches your eye upon a glance.
2: No, nothing, uh, nothing in general. Uh, I'll get those out on a numbers game daily. Yeah. The uh, handful of guys who are kind of in the in the lower rankings and or unseated uh, who I, you know, was fired up for. um, I haven't seen them get well-placed yet.
3: Uh, Anything women's draw yet or not out? Not that it's going to be
2: as nope, interesting as nope, that. No, they're they're react- They're getting a live reaction from Djokovic, who's wearing like the same outfit as me. Weirdly, uh, not did not coordinate that. Um, <laughs> they're getting a live reaction on Djokovic for getting utterly screwed by the draw. Utterly, and, uh, utterly screwed. Yeah, I, I can't ima- I can't even imagine what he's saying. But I, I doubt he's happy by about this. Wow. Uh, the idea of uh, of Nadal and Alcaraz back to back to get to the final is about as bad as things could have gone for him today.
3: I I went from uh, you know me thinking well, we scheduled this podcast too early for the draw to we timed this perfectly. That's, oh yeah, for sure. Nothing else that we can say is as important as that. That's that's a criminal draw, dude. That is criminal. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I'm st- I'm listening. I'm inclined to take a quick look at what's going on with the uh, exchanges to see if there's been any reaction yeah. to the pricing on him because there ought to be, like. He was, what, plus 180, plus 160 around town before this draw. He should be plus 250 now. Um, I mean, this this should have just absolutely flattened the top yes. four pricing. Yeah. Um, and I guess let's give Nadal a little bit of time here because I don't have a ton more to, to yeah. really reflect on this. His path to um, up to the uh, potential quarterfinal match against Djokovic is fine. Like, he's going to be fine assuming his foot is... Is right, um, and I think if you were to tell me like there was a wild upset and he doesn't get there, I, I no, I, I think it's much more likely that he injures his foot so badly that he has to withdraw at some point. Yeah. I think that's that's a, a walkover is a lot more likely than him getting upset before they get to the quarterfinal against Djokovic. Um, but it is worth pointing out that he had an incredible run through Australia. He did the impossible coming. back am down o2 in that final um, to win that title. It was, it was, that was a wildly unexpected outcome. Um, and he carried that form through until he got injured in Indian Wells in that, in that match against Alcaraz, which was the best hardcore match that we saw outside of the, uh, the open final. Um, his foot injury that he sustained and exacerbated in Rome against Chapovalov looked very serious to me. Um, I agree. That was that was not, that was not good. Uh and I think realistically, um, you know, he needs he's a player that needs a strong buildup. Uh he needs kind of the mental edge over all the other players on tour. And uh he didn't get anywhere close to that uh in this run up here because of the injuries he's sustained. Uh early out in Madrid to Alcraz, early out in Rome to um Shapovalov, and I think realistically, uh, you know, If he does something amazing here, especially considering this draw, uh, this will be the more impressive of his titles.
3: Without question. Without question, it would be. Drew, I appreciate it, man. Uh, This was fun. There's no one I'd rather have uh, shared that moment with where we're just, like, flabbergasted by what we just saw. That is brutal. But betting opportunity on Stefano's Titsipas out of nowhere. You know? Out of nowhere. Anything to add on either women's or men's side? Well, we'll do the individual so, picks on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, for sure. So the um, the fourth quarter is the most wide open if you want to take a long shot. On the men's side, that's the Medvedev quarter. Medvedev is just absolutely wildly out of form, yeah. and he's bad on clay and a on a good year. Um, Miramar, uh, Kekmanovic, and yes. landed in that quarter. Yeah. Um, he's not. He's not. If he wins that fourth quarter. Will not be shocking. He probably ought to be the third price there, or second, maybe second price there after Rublev. Um, I'll probably have a little bit of that in my pocket. I need to break down what that. That's probably your quarterfinal: Rublev versus Kekmanovic. Kekmanovic had um, a uh,
3: fabulous 2022.
2: Yeah. Anybody else? Like, I guess here, so. The women's draw is coming out right now. If you want to hang and and yeah, comment give, on this, give but, me some uh, other names. It,
3: give me some other names in the Rublev, uh, Medvedev, Kekmanovic draw uh, quarter.
2: Yeah, let's see here. So again, because uh, Medvedev is the two seed, and you know, and you know, he's he's a wonderful player on hard, yeah. you know, defending U.S. Open champion. Like all that is true. Um,
3: Richard Gasquet just took him down. I know it's not the same clay surface, but I mean, he just destroyed him on clay.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was, an, that, and that was that was um, one of those where you see him entering that tournament, and you think to yourself, okay, well, he really he he needs reps on clay he yeah you know and and if he's gonna even win a couple matches in Roland Garros he needs to go far in this tournament and he was out (laughs) you know right out of the gate he was done um so that was uh uh that was wildly disappointing from him um let me uh let me pull up the full draw right now like all the all the websites are being a little bit uh a little bit slow this was
3: happening by the way live while we're doing this podcast and it's so funny reading the comments where (laughs) some people are like I'm gonna need you guys not to do this in French You know, people are like (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny Uh, A little less French What it is this this guy said Um, yeah This is so great Alright, so Clara Towson, by the way Late withdrawal from the French Open on the lady side Just to uh, update you
2: I like her game
3: I do too, she'll be great one day
2: um, Did you, before we see the women's draw, were there any kind of like super long, like uh, like the, the Jill Teichmans of the world, uh, the An- Amanda Anisimovas of the world, well, who you think, um, you know, given the right quarter, uh, yes. could make a, a run to the semifinals?
3: No, it's a good question. And I, I do think you hit on a name right there. Amanda Anisimova would be one of those. Amanda Anisimova who had so much, you know, one of the, one of the great American young players with so much potential. People may recall that she got Pretty deep, I want to say, into a semi-final uh, at Roland Garros a few years back. And then uh I was up a, a set and a break, I want to say, on Simona Halep before Halep came storming back. I don't think Amanda was ready at that time. Um, don't hold me to the to the semi or to the down, up a break and up a a set and a break, but it was a deep run. I think I might be right on both of those details. But she, she her clay numbers are great. She has had a, a fine hardcore season as well. She's not going to win this tournament, but yes, if she's in the right quarter, uh, that, that would be a name to look at. I'm just sort of scanning. Um, you know, Belinda Bencic has her moments. Let's put it this way. No on Serena for anybody. Um, if people are thinking about Coco Gauff, I would just sort of say the jury is still out on Coco Golf. Agreed. Naomi Osaka is going to be a name that people are going to think of who are casual tennis fans. This is not her surface.
2: She landed unseated in the uh, third quarter, by the way. Unseated. We don't know who else is in there.
3: Who did Iga end up having in her quarter?
2: Well, we, we're, they're, they're still going through. They're doing this funny where they're putting all the unseeded players first and oh, then they're drawing, uh, drawing out of the pot to put the seeded players in there. So we don't know yet. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, to close the loop on a couple of uh, – I got, I got all the draws in front of me for the men's side right now. So okay. in the fourth quarter, this is the weakest. Medvedev is your top seed. Your second seed is Rublev. The other seeded players, Yannick Sinner, uh, Pablo Carino Busta, uh, Kekmanovic, Chilich, Basilashvili, and Tommy Paul um yeah. and then outside of your seeded players there's really no one who scares you. Um so I think that realistically Kekmanovich will probably be priced behind uh at least behind Sinner and Rublev. Yeah. Um uh, maybe behind Corenio Busta. So you might get like a 5 to 1, 6 to 1ish price on Kekmanovich to win that quarter. Corenio um, Busta has been a
3: lot of these Spanish players on um, Clay have been a little disappointing of late.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And uh I think you know, a lot of them, they're trying, they try to round out their game. Cranial Boost is a great example. He's probably better at this point on a slow hard court than he is on clay just by the way he's shaped his game. But um, I think a lot of them are kind of taking that path because they recognize how many, you know, you can win a lot of money and a lot of points uh, on tour in the indoor hard court swing. Uh, And, you know, on some of this, because they've slowed down the hard courts overall on tour uh, to the tune of, you know, it's it's to your advantage not to be a, a quote unquote clay specialist. Um, here's, a the great, third quarter. here's a great. a yeah, great tweet
3: before you continue, Drew. This is for the second year in a row. This is from David Smith. For the second year in a row, the French Open men's tournament is determined to have a completely epic set of quarters and semis and an <laughs> absolute anti-climax of a final. <laughs> it's very true.
2: <laughs> and he said, "I feel like yeah. second year in a row, third year in a row. Maybe it's been a couple of. There have been a couple of years now where we've had." Uh, had these sort of setups and letdowns.
3: Yeah. yeah. Iga Świątek, by the way, will begin her French Open obviously against a qualifier, but then in the second round, it will either be Allison Risk or Diana Yastremska, which means mm. Iga will be moving on.
2: I like it. Yeah. Um, the Sisypas quarter we mentioned has Shapovalov. Her catch, Rude, those are your three top-seeded players outside of Sissipas. All of those guys, I think, would be you know, Rude may be the closest in terms of a price. Rude's only ever beaten Sisypas once on clay, and it was at Madrid last year when Sissipas was in quite good form, but really didn't have, didn't care to try to, with, you know, he was coming off of a two straight titles, and so he just sort of took Madrid off, in my opinion, so I wouldn't lean too much into that head-to-head result. Um, and I think, realistically, he probably goes off as a minus 200 favorite, worst-case scenario against all of those players so Sissipas coming out of his quarter third quarter is a very fair bet um and then uh yeah we mentioned uh the second quarter is the second quarter is the quarter of death uh overall in my opinion um a lot of tough challenger along with uh Alcaraz and Zverev um so sorry guys who who else (laughs) who
3: uh... else is in that quarter
2: uh Korda's in there. Uh team is in there for what it's worth. Oh, um Scamnori, Taylor Fritz, uh Isner, <laughs> uh Davidovich Fokina, oh, uh Nakashima. Um da- 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 basically David- a lot David- of David- that, you know, Fokina, Sebastian Baez.
3: Davidovich yeah. Fokina and Sebastian Baez are, are tricky players on clay.
2: Yeah. 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 One of those two guys to get like in the, the to the fourth round he's gonna have to face either he's gonna have, Zverev's path is the toughest of anyone uh as far as i can tell you his round two opponent would be Baez. his round three opponent would be either nakashima or davidovich fukina his round four opponent opponent likely taylor fritz and then round you know to get to the court to get the quarterfinal opponent alcaraz like that's a that's an absolutely brutal draw you can basically tear up any kind of hope for Zverev French open, uh, at this point. So, um, <laughs> presumably if he's, if he's that unimpressive, if the, if, if, if he really can't do much and is an early out here, uh, you might be able to get a favorable price for, uh, Zverev at Wimbledon, because I think that's maybe a more favorable surface for him at this point in terms of what is his skill. Uh, you know, his, his, um, Maria Sacchery ends up on the bottom half of the draw Ons Jabor at bottom half of the draw. Um, Kurchikova the- was placed on the bottom half of the draw. We don't know if she'll play yet. Kontovit on the bottom half of the draw. So those Ige, three, Ige those four the players. bottom half or the top half? Iga's number one seed, so she's top. The top half. Uh, her, the the, the 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 next seeded player in her section, carolina Pliskova. That's not scary. Uh, Jessica Pagula landed in her quarter. Not scary. Um, second quarter has Paula Bedosa, Danielle Collins, uh, Sabalenka. Um, so presumably a uh, a potential semifinal matchup against Daniel Collins, which would be interesting. Um, again, none of these players really strike fear at all into Anika Backer's heart. No. So uh, this
3: is, is uh, just, this is so trippy. Just looking again, the so again the men's you know men's quarterfinal if if seeding held, Djokovic Nadal, zvera Alcaraz, Rude, Tsitsipas, Rublev, Medvedev. My goodness.
2: They did give they did stick uh, Yelana Ostapenko uh in uh in the first quarter. She would be Iga's round 4 opponent if she gets there.
3: That would be the um, that would be the one that would make us look up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah at least at least you tickle you you pause a little bit before that match starts, yeah. but
3: uh Here's your, you were just mentioning the uh the uh, draw of uh of Zverev, so the Alcaraz projected draw, Quali, followed by a kokonakis ramos vignoles winner. Which, you know, he should be able to dispatch. But both of those guys are, you know, they have it in them. Uh, Harris Millman in round three, probably. Kachanov, Nori, and Team in round four. Fritz or Zverev. Forgot about Taylor Fritz. He's in there, too, huh? In the quarters. And then uh, Djokovic, Nadal. Semis, Tsitsipas, Ruud, Medvedev, Rube. Mm-hmm. One of those guys in the finals. Yeah, I mean, these are fascinating to look at now.
2: Hey, Halep landed in the first quarter. She will face potentially Ostapenko in round 3 before facing Iga in round 4. Uh that's brilliant for Iga. Uh Halep can take dispatch you know, Ostapenko if she gets there uh, yes, and, then lose, lose in, and then lose losing and then losing straights. That's that's that's, that's ideal. Yeah, yeah. That
3: is good. How about uh yeah. how about Naomi Osaka, you said it was unseated.
2: Who's She's who unseated she in, in the playing? third quarter. Uh, they're going so fast, I can't tell you yet.
3: <laughs> uh, we're, we're literally doing this podcast on the fly here as these are coming out. Yeah, Osaka, yeah. you know, as an unseeded player, will play a seeded player, so I'm curious which seeded player will have that draw. Uh, Jill
2: Teichman ended up in the uh, fourth quarter. She's shown some decent quality this spring.
3: Jill Teichman is always a uh, it's always a tricky one. If, if, you're, if you're the organizers of this tournament, Drew, getting back yeah. in the men's draw... Is there a little party right now that's like, uh, what have we
2: done? Can we do this again? Yeah, like, like what, <laughs> we run this? what have we done? Yeah, a little bit, for sure. Um, Samsonova was the uh, the other seeded player in Iga's section. Samsonova, uh, so that's the only tough.
3: player to have taken a set yeah. off of Iga in the last yeah. 48 sets, I believe it is, 46 or 48 they're, sets. They're
2: giving you a little bit of drama yeah. here. Anna Samova ended up in the third section. She will play Naomi Osaka in round one. Ooh,
3: there it is. Now that. <laughs> Good now, is, one. Here's the thing. If, if Anna, if, 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 if Anisimova's number is muted in any way, that's a first round play.
2: Yeah. We've seen them play in round one of a tournament this season. Am I misremembering?
3: Uh, I don't remember. I feel
2: like they played, they went head to head. I feel like at, uh, maybe Indian Wells round one. Did uh, I maybe remember. maybe
3: not. You know how many tennis matches I'm. Uh...
2: <laughs> so it all kind of runs together. Yeah, uh, they did not play. Uh, they played in uh, in round of 32 at the Australian Open. Anisimova beat Osaka in, ah. in, a, in a in a third set breaker. She got her.
3: I'm curious what the number will be on that match because Anisimova on is is much more clay form ready right now for that match.
2: Oh, by a mile, right. A mile. I mean yeah. Osaka's doesn't even really seem to be focused on tennis right now. She's starting her own uh That's right. you know, her own sports agency. She's got interest all over the place. Uh she may be just here for the sponsor check, for all I could tell you. But the um uh yeah, her she was ousted in Madrid pretty comfortably by Sarah sorab Cerebus, Cerebus Tormo, Tormo. Yeah. Cerebus Tormo. Where did she end up? Um,
3: those, those. T- by the way, Cerebus Tormo and uh, Osorio Serrano, who, for whatever reason, I remember them as a duo all the time. Those are some pesky players, too. Not going to win yeah, the tournament, did, but yeah,
2: didn't uh, didn't end up um, seeing them in anything anywhere of importance. Yeah. Um, so should be in pretty good shape there. <laughs> yeah good 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 overall good deal I think a very positive uh positive draw for ego yeah I'm feeling I didn't see yeah didn't see anybody really stand out in terms of like oh that's a weak quarter that's a value play that's a you're gonna catch a good price on anyone uh in the women's draw as of yet um but I need to do a little bit more studying here um I guess Andrea SQ would be the one name I didn't see readily and I'm curious where she landed um, but yeah, Osaka Anasimova round one is a great, uh, great headliner. I think you're going to see Anasimova go off minus 150-ish. There would be my guess.
3: I, I would hope. I'm hoping for lower than that, and then I would pound
2: Anissimova. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe she opens a round pick.
3: Oh, I'd love that. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Well, I'll tell you what. So you're not you're not available Tuesday, Drew, but we'll try to get you on another time for some uh, Roland Garros cool. picks on the radio side this week.
2: Yeah, for sure. At least week two. All right. Uh, if not, at uh, some point in week one
3: There you go, let's do it Drew Dinsick from the uh, Obviously Twitter at Whale underscore capper, But from the NBC Sports, Bet the Edge podcast Which he does with Sarah Perlman And of course uh, the Deep Dive podcast Dinsick Classic, which he does with Andy Molitor Great listens, the both of them uh, Drew, it's awesome to talk tennis With you all the time, man And uh,
2: oh. oh yeah
3: oh something else just happened? I thought you said something. No, no, oh. live
2: just, it's very cool. Doing live reactions to the draw is also, it's also, always fun.
3: All uh, right, man. And uh,
2: hopefully people enjoyed it.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Drew Dinsic, everybody. Oh, it's not over till you say best of luck to everyone, Drew. That's how we end this.
2: Best of be. luck. Yeah. Yes, of course. Best of luck this fortnight. That's the way this we say fortnight. it Fortnite.
3: That's right. We don't know the word for fortnight in French, but we would say it otherwise. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Good luck. Again, picks daily on the radio side. Good luck with all your outrights. The French Open. Thanks for listening.